Hello, and welcome back to Scouring the Depths, the show where we delve deep into the dark, endless, slime-ridden chasm known as heavy music. My name is Joseph. And I'm Nathan. And we are your hosts, and we are pleased to welcome you all to Chapter 1 of our Melodic Death Metal Essentials miniseries. Where across the next five episodes, we'll be talking about 10 titans of mellow death. Yeah, um, insert uh, melodic uh, arpeggios and stuff. Yeah. For people to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is going to be an exciting series to get into, considering this is more of a world that I don't know very well uh, compared to you. Mm hmm. Um, but before we get into that, um, we'd like to thank you all for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed our previous miniseries, our best of 2012, uh, which was a lot of fun for us to do. We'll definitely be doing some more year lists of that sort in the future. This is definitely going to be a little bit more of a different format for us, but it should be a, a pretty fun time. And also, if you're not following us at ScouringPod on Instagram, uh, be sure to give us a follow there to keep up with us uh, when new episodes drop and uh, new things that we're listening to, new releases that come out that week that we're enjoying. Plus, uh, we just launched uh, a new thing that we're going to be doing called the Scouring the Depths Mixtape, which is basically a... I don't know how often we'll do it, but it'll be an ongoing thing for sure. Yeah, an annual thing. Yeah. Uh, basically, just a series of playlists that we both uh, hand curate uh, full of different things that we've been listening to and enjoying, whether it's metal or non-metal, new stuff or old, uh, just a good sampling of different things that define our tastes and uh yeah we uh try to put them together to make them uh enjoyable to listen to as well so definitely check that out yeah it's uh it's it's fun to obviously our podcast here is focusing on the heavier side of things but it's it's nice to kind of have like a mix uh, of different things that you know we're we're into because i i know that you listening probably right now um, probably have a diverse taste of of music as well yeah and so it's it's kind of cool to see where everyone where everyone is so um yeah when you listen to that playlist if you're on the social media you know let us know what you've been listening to metal or non-metal mm-hmm. be cool to just have that communication yeah for sure it's fun to uh you know it's kind of open up uh our sides of uh what we enjoy what we appreciate out there that deviate from what you might expect yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a fun little uh, endeavor uh to kind of just uh interact with you so mm-hmm. all right i think are you ready for some melodic death metal i think so oh gotta buckle up but anyway <laughs> for uh the first chapter in this mini series it felt appropriate to talk about two Two albums that I think kind of define the Mellow Death sound in its early stages. But it's also very interesting because I think both these records are 
two that have influenced not just melodic death metal, but maybe all of metal going forward, pretty much. Um, and those, of course, are Carcass with Heartwork and At the Gates with Slaughter of the Soul. Um, both of these albums are ones that I think are talked about a lot as being like gateway albums for a lot of people to, you know, in the early findings of death metal and of more extreme music. And I think that makes a lot of sense after going back to both of them and really diving deep into to their, their history and their sound. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I'm sure we're going to get into it, but these albums um, are very definitive with the respective kind of sounds and where it would go forward, like you said. And uh, I'm just, I'm super excited to talk about both these albums because they're amazing and Mm -hmm. they're super listenable. Um, And I think we're going to talk about probably those themes of like what, what makes these albums stand out at the time and like the influences that were going on uh, at the time too. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think we're going to start with heart work here. So Carcass consists of Roll Call, Jeff Walker, bass and vocals, Bill Steer and Michael Amit on guitars, Ken Owen on drums, and then behind the boards as a producer for the record, Colin Richardson. And now Heartwork was released in 1994 which around this time is kind of around the cool down period for like the old school heavy metal that we all know, like, uh, you know, your deaths, your morbid Morbid angels, angels, your, your obituaries, uh, so on and so forth. This is kind of around the time when that whole boom of extreme music was starting to kind of maybe not fizzle out entirely, but, a lot of those bands were kind of moving on to different things or, you know, some of them just kind of ceased to exist altogether. It was a very fleeting thing, that movement, but there was a few bands that still remained and still um, kept things moving, but in their own way. And I think Carcass with Heartwork uh, isn't a good example of keeping things moving in their own way because Well, let me start off with a question for you. If I told you that the band, when recording this album, took stylistic cues from Metallica's Black Album and Nirvana's Nevermind, would would that be surprising at all upon listening to it? Honestly, I think think a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just thinking about it, just off like the that they, that comment it sounds kind of outrageous right for a, right, probably yeah. a lot of people um, weird. yeah but i think kind of getting at with the what we were talking about um kind of like hinting at where these albums that we're about to talk about are highly replayable mm-hmm. and catchy in in a weird way and yeah. i can like I, I i would say it's a stretch for me to kind of get into that nirvana mindset and i think a lot of that has to do with you know maybe grunge was becoming a huge thing at the time 
yeah. obviously, and yeah. so was the Black Album. Um, but mm-hmm. the Black Album seems a little bit more on the same kind of pathway, closer to the pathway uh, yeah. of, of Carcass, but mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to that accessibility thing. And right. I mean, obviously, anyone is familiar with Carcass Fast Works mm-hmm. um, before this, they were a grindcore band. Mm-hmm. And so this yeah. is a this is them switching gears. Oh yeah. This is uh this is quite a it's funny because it is a, quite a big change just given how uh just fucking nasty their early stuff was, how a band that would make something, you know, like Reek of Putrefaction would end up making something that was influenced by two of the, you know, biggest most successful uh rock albums of the 90s is kind of insane to even imagine but when you listen to Heartwork, you can hear it and the carcass sound isn't lost still yeah uh they've managed to basically go into recording and writing this thing saying okay we're going to do what we do we're going to do our thing but we're also going to in their words cut the crap essentially um make things more trimmed down focus more on creating those memorable uh those memorable riffs and hooks that stay stuck in your head the tasty ones yeah absolutely um because their album previous to hard work necroticism um the band has said that that recording that album they felt like it was a record where they felt like they needed to prove themselves uh, so a lot of songs on it are you know very long uh like six to seven minutes um and they have like these very complicated changes and like <clears throat> complex riffs and everything um and you know like as a result like necroticism is an incredible album too it's like it might be tied as like my favorite carcass album honestly with this one um because yeah it's it's perfect in my opinion but it's also you know anyone that doesn't really know death metal isn't gonna listen to necroticism and latch onto it like i think that there's a higher chance that they could with heartwork right because there's that familiarity with that era's sound that I think they were really in in tune with and were really paying attention to while still writing death metal and mm-hmm. creating death metal, which I think is really fascinating. Because I don't know if I don't know if very many other bands have even thought to do that at the time or since, and as nearly as successfully as they they did. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about. The influences that Carcass would, you know, bring forth like past it mm-hmm. into the death metal world. I mean, I, th- I can think of maybe more newer bands that kind of like to have that stadium mm-hmm. rock and, and metal feeling to them. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, I remember a few years ago when uh, Gate Creeper were lining up to release their album Deserted. Mm-hmm. I remember... I don't remember exactly where I read it, like what interview it might have been or just like what 
yeah, basically, uh, the front man of the band, Chase, had mentioned that they were basically going for quote unquote stadium death metal on on that album. And you definitely hear it on that album because it's very, you know, sounds very big, very catchy, very everyone clean. Is, everyone can headbang along to it and be yeah. involved with it. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, like that idea is definitely present on Heartwork. And I can imagine that Heartwork is like, it's the embodiment of what a stadium death metal album could even sound like. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why it's cited so much as being like such a major album and such a major influence. Which it's funny because I, I'm sure people who are listening right now are being like, what? <laughs> uh, which I think it will probably be pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, just go listen to go listen to the album again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like by no means are we saying that this sounds like Nirvana or Metallica. Right. No. It's more of like. It carcasses their own thing, and they 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 did it. Their they did themselves the best thing that they could do at the time. Yeah, and they tr- like they cut the crap. You know, mm-hmm. that's what Jeff would say. It, it's kind of what they did, and they made it their own thing. And yeah. clearly, that's why we still talk about it today. Yeah, they they matured. Um, they wanted to just write better songs, uh, more memorable songs. And uh, rather than, you know, in their in their early years, just, uh, you know, wanting to be extreme for extremity's sake, uh, wanting to be faster and uglier and grosser than everyone else, which they accomplished, they decided to take a step back and like really hone their craft as musicians and as songwriters. And they wanted to, you know, uh, make something that would stand the test of time. And I think that's what they did. Yeah. And uh, I, th- I would say that Carcass is one of those bands that going back to that, that grindcore stuff and just, just being in that scene in the UK. Mm-hmm. I think that's the interesting thing too, is, is thinking about their peers because I mean, obviously like Napalm Death was really big mm-hmm. when they started. Yeah. Um, you know, that was around a little bit before I think, of carcass i could don't quote me on that yeah yeah it was but it was big in the scene you know where they're at so it it was it was a big move to like kind of switch gears here yeah um and do what they did which i'm sure we'll talk about you know further locations where this would lead to um geographically Mm -hmm. but i I always think is interesting kind of like what's going on in the time Mm. and and thinking about going back to when this all happened in the nineties where for the most part there were local shows in certain parts yeah, and there was like fan magazines, you know, and people had CDs and tapes. Yeah. Tape trading was a big deal. Yeah. So like, you know, they'd swap these kind of things. And so it'd be kind of hard to like, think about like that world um, and, and kind of seeing like how these influences would like, build on each each other yeah it's really cool yeah and how making something that underground into something successful uh without sacrificing your you know your artistic dignity i guess um but yeah uh i think the fact that they 
you know, had the balls to do something like that and to make a death metal album that felt big and like had like these flourishes of like rock, like mainstream rock at that time. Uh, I think it sort of introduced a new chapter in death and in, in death metal and in extreme music. And I think that's why this album gets roped in with melodic death metal aside from it's obviously, you know, the very talented guitar work on here. Yeah. That's uh, very memorable um, and intricate. Speaking of like guitar work, what are some of like your favorite tracks on this? My favorite tracks here. I mean, every song is <laughs> so good. I yeah, mean, it flows very well. Yeah. The opener, very dreams. It, like I never really thought about it, but once I read uh, in the interview that I read with Decibel, um, where they had discussed like the Black Album and Nevermind, and never it didn't dawn on me until then that like Very Dreams it kind of has like a similar kind of stomp to it that Enter Sandman has, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, it sounds goofy. <laughs> it's just an like interesting on paper. connection. Yeah, yeah. But it was just like, holy shit! Yeah, I can see it. Um, but. Yeah, every song is great. Uh, but I think my personal favorite little one-two punch is Embodiment into uh, This Mortal Coil. Because, you know, Embodiment is just a, a banger. And then, like, Embodiment, like, it has that, you know, that really heavy riff that kicks in. It's like an almost, like, it shows, like, both modes of their sound because there's, like, the obvious, like, heavy you know the riff from embodiment and then like in this mortal coil it's just like the most mellow deathy song you could think of the yeah almost but no keyboards right not there yet it's coming it's coming very soon yeah yeah well some of my favorite songs on there are i echo similar ones with with the opener and those those two middle tracks mm-hmm. um hard work obviously the title track is incredible yeah. and yeah. i mean that's where a lot of the names you know this that's where the title came from but yeah. other than that um you know no love lost the one that came before it it's really good mm-hmm. um and, and i mean literally every track on here yeah. is just incredible so kind of hard to just pinpoint one yeah because i mean that's that's why we're that's the other thing too is like i don't know if we've covered this before but I'm definitely like an album person. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's talked about enough. Maybe, maybe in the, maybe people who are listening right now can understand this a little bit more. Yeah. But if you're talking to a lot of people in the population listening to music that are kind of outside this genre, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of people who might listen to songs. Now, obviously yeah. those people all listen to albums too, but it is interesting to think of it in terms of, you know, as a, as a, as a collective piece. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that I feel like, you know, the albums that we're going to talk about, like, like that's what these things are. They're stories. Yeah. There's intent behind <clears throat> every song and its placement in the, in the entire thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's meant to all be looked at as one thing, but these specific pieces of it that line up in a specific way to, sort of display what the band's vision is. Um, and I think metal, you know, 
fans of metal are are also more like, thematic. Yeah, like us, and like you know they they view the whole album as as a as a as a piece mm-hmm. rather than like individual songs. Which, to be fair, I mean, there's still individual songs that you yeah. want to hear over. You can just like push replay or oh yeah, yeah. and are just fantastic and right. you know. But yeah, it is a it's a nice concept um, that it's kind of if you have the time. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's what you can, we do with these things. And so mm-hmm. um, the other thing that I wanted to mention that I really like about this this piece um, is the artwork. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, uh it's a structure that was created by H.R. Geiger. Mr. Alien. Yeah. May, uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's almost like you almost can spot Geiger's work and be like, like, yeah, that's definitely done by him. Yeah. It's very subtle, but you can, you can, you can tell a little bit, mm-hmm. but it, it's a, it's an incredible, like just piece of art. And I, I love the, almost like kind of the symbolism because I mean, going back to their previous artwork, which is more in that grindcore, Yeah. Kind of surgical. Yeah. More. It's like a collage of really horrible images. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is definitely got that shock value. And they, I mean, they, yeah. they carry that spirit still with them to this day. Yeah. Um, but it's a little bit more to quote the album that would, you know, come out later, but like it's more like surgical steel type. Mm-hmm of things where, you know, or even like their last album they just put out. Yeah. It, there's always a, a nice homage to like the, the, the fact that they have such a rich vocabulary mm-hmm. on this, these medical terms and these things that are happening to the human body. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's weirdly horrifically like pleasant. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. But it's, it's cool. Yeah. I think, that's a good way to describe like their later period after artwork is like, you know, it's extreme, but it, uh, it has this beauty to it and just like how well-crafted and well-executed it is. Um, and I think that's sort of the core, uh, you know, that's sort of the crux of like what melodic death metal is. It's like, you know, at its foundation it's like really extreme and brutal and like you know um etc but uh you know it's taking that as a as a foundation and like trying to build something more sophisticated and more um artistic artistic elegant or yeah yeah right it's definitely more of a there's less of that uh gross and grimy sludgy kind of Kind of stupid, but I mean that exists, obviously. But yeah. um, and it's you know that's shit like still great too. Mm-hmm. But and it kind of goes at like you know where we kind of tackled this entire you know subject and in, in general. I know that Joseph at the top of the show was talking about how he's not as as versed in melodic death metal. Yeah. Um. Whereas I kind of came at melodic death metal initially, mm-hmm. and th- and when I was pretty early in my phase of metal. Yeah. Um, and this is the stuff that I would gravitate to because I would always be interested in like, okay, like, wow, that guitar player is playing really fast or there's like this really catchy melody that's, that's going on that mm-hmm. um, 
you know, makes me think like, oh, wow, like I love the speed and precision, but also like the beauty of what's going on in the background. And that's yeah. kind of the cohesiveness of melodic death metal that is what's so appealing and so hard for people who are like, maybe let's just say like Cannibal Corpse mm-hmm. is a great example of where like speed and thrash metal, especially early Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. Is that more there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, you get less of that, um, you know, those, those guitar solos, which they would come, yeah. but in a more death metal, thrash metal kind of sense. But mm-hmm. anyway, I feel like I'm going on a tangent, but it, it is cool to, to kind of tackle melodic death metal with, with you. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's interesting. I mean, yeah, we, I think it's kind of the interesting part of doing this whole thing is because we both, you know, we're huge fans of, of happy music, but we have like these different um, deviations for how we fell to, to be so uh, enamored with it. And, you know, the way that we deviate and the way that we overlap, I think that it's, it's cool to, to have those conversations because it's not just, you know, we, we come at it from, we come at it from different angles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So carcass, how many, how many times have you heard it now? You think? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, man, I guess when's the better question is when did you first hear this? I first heard this in like 2016. 16 2015 maybe when i was you know kind of branching from like the more um well it's when i found out about death metal and like contemporary bands that Mm -hmm. i've grown to love and like wanted to go back to finding some of the older ones and yeah i don't remember exactly what brought me to this one but there's one that like you know just like an older death metal album that is like considered to be one of the best ones to start with. And, uh, yeah, I, it definitely did the trick mm-hmm. and it definitely, uh, it definitely drew some lines from, from then to what I was into at that time and still am obviously. Yeah. And I, I hope that everyone, you know, listening right now, uh, can kind of relate to that path because I, I I think I was similar when it comes to Carcass. Like I mm-hmm. I think I you know I had I think when Surgical Steel was coming out is when like what is that twenty thirteen ish yeah twenty thirteen um I remember that coming out and being like who's this band and then I looked at other albums that were gateway albums and artwork yeah. popped up and I listened to that and I'm like oh yeah mm-hmm. this is something I'm gonna enjoy yeah. and so I think this is an album that is if you're interested in melodic death metal, this is a perfect gateway album. Yeah, they're death metal in general, but mm-hmm. it also has that that melody to it that might not be uh, as prevalent in, you know, just like your your standard death metal. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, this is a fast album, though. Yeah. So don't be fooled. Oh, yeah. By the, the fast melody. So uh, any more thoughts on Carcass? Well, I don't think so, but I do have this quote here that I thought was a perfect summation of it. Yeah. Uh, this was from Hank Schemmer of Pitchfork. 
from 2013, which I think was right around the time that Surgical Steel came out. So I imagine that's why uh, whatever piece this was from was written. But it says, perhaps the greatest example to date of an extreme metal band nodding to the polish and swagger of above ground rock while retaining core ferocity. And I think that like pretty much nails it, you know. Yeah, it's better than what we could say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Off the cuff. Um but yeah, I yeah. think that's a good prelude to uh to this series and uh a good example of um yeah. A classic mellow death album. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think are we gonna do roll call for our next band? We're gonna head over to Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. Um another of one of the most influential death metal albums of all time is at the gates with Slaughter of the Soul. Go. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <I had to. laughs> I'm go I'm going. Night from 1995, Roll Call. We have Thomas Lindbergh on vocals, Anders Bjorler on guitars, Jonas Bjorler on bass, Adrian Erlinson on drums, and Martin Larson on guitar, and production by Frederick Nordstrom. You got them all right. Yeah. Don't. don't, don't yeah. I hope so. Yeah, it's not, not as hard as... Uh, the finished names we'll get to in the <laughs> next episode because we we already recorded that one. But shocker. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we won't get Wanna treat retread the those memories. No. Um anyway, I feel like it's this is a good starting point. Here is a it's a quote that starts the album off that I think is uh an original thing written by Lindbergh for the album, but it says, uh, we are blind to the worlds within us waiting to be born. And I think that's, a, that's sort of the, uh, the entire album thematically summed up in one little sentence there. Um, a lot of this album, it feels like, is about, uh, you know, inner turmoil um, caused by a variety of different things from uh, societal alienation to uh, depression to, you know, mental health disparities. Uh, yeah, all kinds of different things. But yeah, one thing is for sure before we get into all that is that this album is uh I think there's a reason why this one gets mentioned so much as being so many mm -hmm. people's first real like extreme death metal or extreme metal album that they've ever gotten into. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a lot of it has to do with the influences that would come to to it afterwards. Right. Now, I think you and I are similar in our in our paths when it comes to what we started off with. Yeah. When it comes to more extreme music, and I, I, I have a lot of nods to metalcore, yeah, and and, and things like that. And At the Gates is a perfect band mm -hmm. that started a lot of those bands off. That, that that's one of their biggest influences. Yeah, something about this just caused so many people around the world to just latch onto it and 
kind of emulate it in different ways, mm-hmm. which yeah. I think is in- really interesting. Yeah, a lot of the the bigger bands that a lot of you might know uh, that we all started with, maybe depending on how old we all are. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Killswitch Engage, um, As I Lay Dying, Lamb of God. Yeah, these are all these new wave of American bands, but yeah. also bands from across the seas. That yeah. whole metalcore sound. A right. lot of these bands were tapping into that really hard. Yeah, we're at the gate, slaughter the souls. Yeah, it's um, yeah, um, it's interesting because there's that whole influence, the uh, the new wave of American heavy metal and that whole thing, and um, which is what's interesting is that like, uh, Lindbergh when writing this album, he had said that his lyrics for it were more influenced by hardcore and more oriented towards like that side of like his, you know, personality and like his tastes. And I think that explains a lot about how, um, how drawn to how this album that approachable of, it is. Yeah. How approachable it is to people that enjoy all kinds of more aggressive music, whether mm-hmm. it be more on the hardcore or punk side to the, uh, you know, heavy metal, death metal side. Right. And um, speaking of that, part of the whole reason for me wanting to do this whole mini series in the first place is because we even saw these, this band perform this album live mm-hmm. in uh, total a few months ago. Yeah. yeah. Which was crazy. And uh, yeah, it was an amazing show. Um, Municipal Waste and Enforced opened it. Which I think, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I think it kind of says a little bit that two crossover bands opened up. Or the band that yeah. has these hardcore yeah. And, yeah. and it would influence the metalcore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. this And this is the second time we have seen them. Right. Because um, uh, a few years ago, we both, we saw them uh, with Wolves in the Throne Room and Behemoth. Yeah. Uh, which is also incredible, but it, it is so awesome that we were able to just a few months ago listen to the entire album, yeah. you know, um, live and yeah. see them still kicking. Because um, I don't think we mentioned this with Carcass, but both of these bands have a weird shared similarity in the fact that they got really big off these respective albums, yeah, and then they kind of just stopped, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, Carcass had an album after, mm-hmm. and they stopped for a second. But At The Gates stopped mm-hmm. after this, um, yeah. which, you know, is just insane to me because they were, you know, at the height of what they were going for. But yeah. I know there's more to it. Right. So, um, but yeah, and the fact that these were, I think their third or fourth albums, fourth albums maybe, on both yeah. sides. Yeah. Um... There's weird similarities here. Yeah, I think this was at the gates fourth. Yeah. And also Carcass is fourth, fourth too. Yeah. Yeah. So and then both had their comeback releases, you know, very far in the future, but similar dates. Yeah. Surgical Steel was twenty thirteen and then At War with Reality, which was at the Gates' comeback album was twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. So it's very cool how these two bands, you know, have such a shared influence over what we know uh, to be like death metal right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they still kind of have that same path in a way. 
is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I just, those are interesting things that kind of weirdly coincidentally came up together. And, um, but yeah, I just love this album. And uh, I think kind of getting into the tracks, you know, like we kind of just mentioned with Carcass, but like that opening track it really just sets the tone for this, this, you know, yeah. I mean, honestly, that opening line sets the tone. Right. But it, it ter- turns into you know go i go on <laughs> yeah it like establishes that this is going to be a death metal album that's about something like real you know about something that's actually like really relatable um and you know about pretty vulnerable subject matter um which i think <clears throat> you know death metal about personal subjects or about more you know real subject matter um I think part of that might have come from uh, the like mid to late period death albums from human to individual thought patterns to symbolic to the sound of perseverance, how death just started off as being, you know, scream, bloody gore, leprosy, uh, writing, you know, more what you would expect death metal to be about, just, yeah. you know, gruesome occult uh horror movie stuff which yeah which is fun and great yeah Yeah, it's 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 excellent but there's just you know that shift uh in wanting to write about you know uh more philosophical subject matter more more real world yeah having like a like a perspective on society and uh having that more intellectual backbone to your extreme music which obviously this is not the exact same thing but i feel like that kind of started a little bit of a shift in what heavy what extreme music could really be about and what could it what it could say um yeah i mean you know we kind of hinted at it but i mean the, the themes in this and these tracks, um, on on top of the fact that these these songs are incredibly catchy, mm-hmm. and you know, are, kind of are in a blitzkrieg space because they're they're fast, but they're also at the same time anguishable. You can you can sense the pain. Yeah, you can sense the in the in the vocals, especially mm-hmm. uh, Lindbergh. He you know he sounds like he's tormented, and he sounds like this music and like these words like they have to like he has to to get them out like it's like it's like eating him from the inside and he has to release them Mm -hmm. um in order to to break free in a way yeah you have some uh some favorite tracks yeah um my two i just like you know having that one two punch yeah when it's like two or more songs back to back just like have that like perfect flow is like really really cool to me but yeah i love cold and i love under a serpent sun um yeah both of those i think are perfect i also really like nausea because it's really catchy and it even sounds like it could be a song from disfear which is uh tomas's uh crust punk band but yeah uh it's another album that you know it's just like it's so easy to go back to because it's just so short and it's so 
fast pace and just easy to listen to. Um, like every song is just, is a, is a important part of it. And every song is great for that reason. Yeah. I mean, I would echo those, those similar, you know, tracks that you mentioned. Yeah. Obviously those, that one, two punch at the beginning, mm-hmm. blinded by fear into slaughter of the soul. So the, the title track was just, I mean, that's the one that everyone at mm-hmm. the concert was just singing, you know, like, yeah, that's why I yeah. said go. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, you know, I, I also even got an under a serpent sun like mm-hmm. shirt, which is just sick. Um, yeah. but yeah, um, I, I like suicide nation a lot. I know that's a big one. Um, it has like a big, uh, meaning behind it. Even obviously it's great on the nose when it comes to like the title, but yeah, um, that's, that's neither here nor there, but I also just love um, how this kind of this this album kind of ends in a way. I, I really like the way that the flames at the end, yeah, uh, kind of just goes off. And yeah. uh, it's a great little instrumental. And it's like you know, it's very different from anything else, obviously, on the right. album. So it it has a very unique place, and I also really like it because it sounds you know. It sounds like the, in the best way possible, not insulting at all. He sees insulting you. <laughs> Everyone listening. Yeah. Idiot. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a, like an instrumental from like a 90s video game, you know, like a, like the menu for like a Mortal Kombat game or something. Which makes sense because, yeah. I mean, look at that artwork. Yeah, of course. I mean, which is that this artwork is sick because I mean, going back to that Geiger, kind of that industrial, kind of but mixed with gothic. Yeah, and something that I don't know. It's just like you just get lost in that in that picture. Yeah, it's uh, I mean that going back to that time period, thinking about you know buying like records were not as big then, mm-hmm. but like thinking about picking up something and not really like knowing much about it. Right. Like just maybe so, hearing like a song that you saw like the music video for on MTV or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I would pick this album up just for the artwork alone. Yeah. That's, that's how strong this artwork is to me. Yeah. It's, you know, it's different for a metal album too. It's not like a, you know, it's like, it's kind of a shocking image, but it's not like a, you know, not like it just has like, you know, zombies or, a zombie with its guts hanging out or whatever. <laughs> what? I've never seen anything like that. No. <laughs> Me neither. Um, but yeah. Um, Decibel, actually, uh, in the Hall of Fame interview um, for this album, they called it the most influential album of the next decade. And I think we kind of touched on why. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty indisputable, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's crazy to think that an album like this um, had such a such an impact, and in that what a little over half an hour. Yeah, is, it's like thirty-one minutes, thirty-two minutes, or something like that. It's it it packs so much in, like it has so much in there. It is crazy to me to think that an album like this is like just all over the place. Yeah. Every like, you know, a decade later. Yeah. It just it's just crazy to me. And yeah, this is definitely you know, I mentioned earlier carcass being like a really good starting point. 
this is a, another one where, you know, whereas Carcass may be a little bit on the, I don't know, thrashier side per mm-hmm. se. This would be the more melodic hardcore side. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how to like split hairs here, but it, yeah, it's, it's just more or less just saying that it's another album that like you can easily start this journey off talking about and being like, oh, yeah, this is something that I want to listen to, even though I'm not really used to something like this. Yeah. Yeah. You can, <clears throat> you know, you can identify its impact in other things, mm-hmm. which, yeah, just like that, that realization is enough to make you see the, the greatness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Um, any final thoughts? Uh, I'd say just, uh, you know, I think this is uh, going to be a lot of fun talking about, you know, the, the next few weeks, uh, talking about these different albums and yeah, just covering, you know, the different sides of a lot of death metal and going down this path. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun because these are me just revisiting albums. Like I'll just say like slaughter the souls. I've heard a million times, mm-hmm. um, artwork I've heard a little bit less, but you know, it's also just now my hear all the time. Yeah. And um, but there's a lot of albums we're going to talk about that I'm still I've only heard maybe a few times. Yeah. But I, you know, I can't wait to to rediscover them and then talk them, talk about them with you and then also talk about them with everyone who's listening. You know, I, we want to hear what your yeah. thoughts are on, on these on these albums. For sure. And next time we'll be going from Sweden to Finland for Amorphous. Tales from the Thousand Lakes. And then we'll go right back to Gothenburg for uh, Dark Tranquility's The Gallery. Spooky. Yeah. So that's your uh, that's your one-two punch for next time in Chapter 2 of this miniseries. Um, again, we thank you all very much for listening. We hope that this, uh, this thing we're doing has given you incentive to go back and listen to these perfect recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, again, couldn't thank you enough for, for checking this out. Yeah. We appreciate you and, you know, continue the conversation on, you know, these, these different platforms and we would love to hear yeah your feedback on uh, all the things that are going on in the world when it comes to heavy music and one, you know, ones that are, outside that too so yeah again we're at scouring pod on instagram we're also on twitter but you know twitter situation is a little dicey right now you can follow us there too though if you want if we it appreciate hasn't it. burned down yet. <laughs> yeah it might it might be displaced by something later we'll see. but yeah anyway thank you guys all right y'all take care now bye bye